So, are you DTFF? Drinking and talking fantasy football with your hosts, Dustin Lunt and Jake Trowbridge. Welcome back to Hashtag DTFF, the Drinking and Talking Fantasy Football Podcast, folks. Happy Tuesday. Happy birthday, America. We just had the 4th of July. Uh, It was basically everyone's second Christmas yesterday with the Potathon and the start of the Scott Fishbowl. uh, what else can I say about, about what today is? I don't know. Uh, but we're here. We're recording. We're back after uh, off week last week. Uh, but we're back at it. We're recharged. We're all jazzed up. Got jazz hands That's going. Right. That's right. Ha ha. Well, I think wrong, jazz hands way. just one at a time. That, this is a jazz hands. I do a down following. Like right. Don't tell me how to do jazz hands. The beauty of jazz hands is that it's up to the individual to choose how they do it, Dustin. That's what I've been told. Well, fine. I'll, I'll allow it. Grudging <laughs> <laughs> yeah. acceptance of my jazz hands. Yes, we've got a great episode, though, tonight. We are going to be talking about some muddled backfields uh, and kind of dissecting them, going into, we, I think there's about 15 on our show sheet. We'll see if we get through them all. Uh, we can kind of pick and choose as we're going here, which ones we want to highlight. Um, but yeah, we're, we're going to give you the goods to win your redraft league this year. We're going to tell you which running backs you should be focusing on and why, and you'll thank us come the championship time because we give you the great advice here. And that's what we're all the about. The great, greatest advice on this side of the Potomac, that that's a that's a river, right? Somewhere isn't, in the continental United States, I think. Isn't that more of a north-south river, not an east-west yeah, that's fine. river? Yeah, that's okay. We can just be on the top or bottom of it. Okay. We're team top. Are we top? I only. I honestly don't even know where that is. I would say I team top. Northern. We're team top. I think okay, we're team top. Perfect. Done. We're the best. We have the greatest advice as a top. That you're gonna find. Can't speak for the bottoms out there, but as it's not. <laughs> uh, we we should get back on track. This is gonna uh, uh, veer into very dangerous territory soon if we uh, keep talking top and bottom. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh man, I think I'm just still giddy from from the potathon yesterday. That was so much fun. Big shout out to yeah. Sal and all the boys that uh, put that on, and everyone behind the scenes because uh, that was just an incredible time. I must have watched about eight hours of it all together so far uh kept poking in throughout the day and then obviously our half hour uh with kate michelle was uh amazing in itself uh so big shout out to everyone that was involved with that that was a hell of a production cheers to you guys heck yes yeah listeners if you're not aware of what the potathon is it relates to the scott fish bowl uh, which is obviously the largest tournament in fantasy football which also goes to charity as does the Potathon, that's the entire point. They're trying to raise money to go to Fantasy Cares. I think I saw they're getting very close to $30,000 raised nice. by the Potathon. So it was awesome to be a part of that our first year being on the Potathon. Mm-hmm. We both have been watching for quite some time, but 24 hours straight that they, they host that thing. They are Iron Men and uh, salute. But also, Dustin, congrats and cheers to you. Another big moment. For yourself happened on the potathon live 
you got the invite to Scott Fishbowl live on air. How good does that feel? Oh, it's incredible. I'm still shocked that that happened. Totally unexpected. Uh, as I was saying before we got going here, I literally could not fall asleep last night. I was still just so excited that that happened. Uh, and it's it's really an honor. Um, you know, I, I wasn't blowing smoke yesterday on the Potathon when I said I was leaving vicariously through everyone and just glad to be a part of it and, you know, being on the Potathon in some small way. Uh, but to actually get in, you know, it's just fun to be a part of it. And, uh, uh, I'm glad I could step in and, and, and take a spot here uh, at the last minute. In the ninth hour, or the eighth hour, mm-hmm. tenth hour, twelfth, whatever that phrase is. But in any case, we were both <laughs> reminiscing before we got on here about uh, our draft recently. It's, it's been going on for about a day and a half now at mm-hmm. this point. And I think speaking only for myself, but maybe for you too, there's there's already some some questions sitting in my tummy about, did I do the right thing? Did I pick the right guy? And I think part of this episode that's going to be so fun is I'm probably going to prove my draft wrong already <laughs> as we dive through these tackles. I'm sure I'll come with some question marks that will make me rethink some of my draft choices. Mm-hmm. Well, before we can do that, we've got to do our normal house cleaning here. Uh, first, our beer of the week. Uh, we've got the, mm-hmm. and I'm probably going to pronounce this incorrectly, the yeah. Wisconsin Red Ale from Central Waters. Nailed it. Did I nail it? Nailed it. That is Perfect. See, see, because it's from Wisconsin, but they pronounce it Wisconsin. I don't. I'm sure there's like a better reason it's, for it, that. It probably well, means something. It's, it's a. It, it gets its name from the Algonquin word for the Wisconsin River or Redstone River. So is that real? That did yeah, you see that, that on the bottle? That's on the side of the bottle. Can you read? <laughs> You've been holding out on me this whole time. Oh my God! I did. I never look at the side of the bottle, Dustin. And I think well, you just proved me. Uh, you were really good. I bet at those, like as a kid with the cereal boxes that had like the mazes and shit. I bet you're really good at it because your attention to detail is impeccable. I guess oh, you got to read everything. <laughs> the fine print doesn't get past me. Let's put it that way. Yeah, this never is... accepted an iTunes agreement that you haven't read top to bottom. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. How do you like it though? This this red ale we got here. Uh, for a red ale, it's pretty good. Um, it's a little bit on the caramely side for me with those caramel mouths, uh, but that's how you get that nice, beautiful golden red color. Um, it's really tasty, though. It's a good beer. I really, pretty much anything from Central Waters is a great beer. I, I never have an issue with them. Uh, but yeah, it's kind of caramely. It gets a little bit on the sweet side for me. Um, but yeah. having a couple of them, that's no problem. Like I said, just a solid beer. I And for a red ale, it, it's a pretty good uh, representation of it. Yeah, I think I, I probably a little selfish here with this one. I picked out this week's beer. I, I love a good red ale. That's one of my favorite types. And you don't find them out Mm-mm. in the wild that often. It's like three that I can think of up the top of my head. And I love basically all of them. I will say this ranks towards the middle of that group. It's not, it's not as good as some of the red ales I've had around here, but it's, uh, I think you, you nailed it. It's a good representation of it. Straightforward. Mm-hmm. I like it. Absolutely. Next, should we go to our drunk trade of the week? You goddamn right we should. Drunk, 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 of the week. Hit us, Jake. This week's drunk ass trade comes in from at Danny underscore FFX on Twitter. 
Danny P. Um, he submitted this trade. Now, this is one. He says, not every day someone sends you an offer that gives you DK Metcalf. So the drunk person was actually on the other side of this. Not the submitter. Uh, the submittee. I guess. <laughs> uh, so here's the pieces, all right? It's a standard dynasty uh, league. I, I don't even see anything about Superflex, so we can assume we'll just, or not assume. We'll just assume uh, yeah. PPR. Yeah, yeah, for sure, PPR. Um, beyond that, I don't know. But uh, the piece is involved. So what Danny sent away was Cortland Sutton, Devontae Smith, and Justin Fields. That's what he sent away. And he received DK Metcalf, Mike Williams, Zach Wilson, and a 2022 third-round pick. So anything jump off the page to you out of the gate here? Yeah, I like the scent side personally better. Um, mm. And here's here's my reasoning. Uh, I feel like Justin Fields greater sign than Zach Wilson. Uh, I, I I prefer the upside of Justin Fields much better. Uh, Devonta Smith better than Mike Williams. Mm, okay. Uh, I, yeah. I've ne- I've never been the biggest Mike Williams fan. Uh, I'm sure he'll have a fine season, but you know we for. A pick that was top 10, I think the Chargers took him in. Uh, he's never lived up to that hype, and he's always been very boomer bust. Um, yeah. Uh, even last year with with Herbert there, I mean, it was, it's the Keenan Allen show, and that's basically it. Um, and then, you know, you've got Cortland Sutton. Basically, Cortland Sutton for DK and a third. Obviously, DK wins that side, although I'm not as high on DK as uh, a lot of other people. I'm slightly lower on him and I'm higher on Cortland Sutton than others. So that's why I take the scent side. I just, when you're getting the quarterback um, and to what should be top, you know, two minimum wide receiver twos, I, I like that better than, than the uh, uh, DK side. Yeah. I don't, I don't hate what you're saying at all. I think, the surprise is the same to me as it was to the submitter. To Danny, was like, oh, they, they sent a trade for D- DK Metcalf, which it always feels like pulling teeth trying mm-hmm. to get some of these uber-hyped receivers sometimes. So the fact that they let off with that, which could be one of those distraction pieces. It's like, ooh, look at how shiny and awesome this is that you're getting here. Don't pay attention to the rest of it. Right. <laughs> Just be kind <laughs> and, and appreciate that I am giving you DK Metcalf. And maybe that's what happened here. But I, do, I mean, I still respect and, and appreciate DK Metcalf as a top 12 dynasty receiver. Mm-hmm. I do think he just fits into that for me. You can argue if he's higher than that for you, and fine, he might be. He's right around the fringe for me, but I don't ever see Cortland Sutton as being that. You know, he's not going to be a top 12. Like you said, top 20 makes sense. I could certainly find a way to squeeze him in there at least this year, uh, even though coming off injury, I'm not super worried about that. Devontae Smith, though. I mean, he's one of the most highly touted wide receiver prospects in quite some time Mm -hmm. from people who know those things. So I I do like that. Mike Williams, I think, is another example. So this guy sent the trade. uh, But again, this is somebody who just got a bunch of hype. Mike Williams is now the X receiver in the Chargers offense with the offensive coordinator that made Michael Thomas the, the thing. And so, you know, the hype bubble is is it's full right now mm-hmm. for Mike Williams. And again, that was probably just savvy trading 
um, by that guy who sent him away. I do like Zach Wilson, but you're right. I like Justin Fields a little more. So, yeah, I'd probably take the scent side too, but I don't think it's just crazy disparity here. No, but, no, no. Yeah. It's it's a it, I mean, overall it, it's a fairly even trade. I mean, I I can't say I I hate either side uh or you know the the DK side of it. I don't hate it by any means. Uh just if if I was building a roster, you know, I I want guys that I believe in a, a little bit more and mm. and for me that's the scent side. Uh, especially like I said, really the tiebreaker for me is that Justin Fields versus Zach Wilson. Uh, I, I, I like his ceiling and his upside a lot more than, than what I think Zach Wilson will give you, especially in the short term. Fair. And one last question here, cause I'm curious, you know, depending on the league size, that can sometimes sway these. So let's say that this was a 10 team league. Does that do anything getting the bigger star and DK Metcalf back? Or not really? Um, it might. I, I, in a vacuum, I'd probably say yes. Uh, yeah, getting those, I think, I think your point is, is spot on there. Getting those elite players in the positions, uh, gives you an advantage in, in those smaller leagues. So yeah, yeah, I think in a 10 team, I would probably go for the DK side, uh, just to get that elite player. Fair enough. Well, we don't have to spend any more time on there because there was nary a running back involved in that. And this is the running back show. So I feel like we should skedaddle along here. Um, but before we get into the juicy bits, uh, it is my honor to tell you that this week's episode of DTFF is brought to you by Monkey Knife Fight. Head on over to monkeyknifefight.com. If you sign up now using promo code DTFF, you will be matched on your initial deposit up to $50. Uh, NFL season, this is the last month without any NFL action until March of 2022, by the way. Just want to point that out there. In August, we will see some NFL action. So get over there now. Get your feet wet. Dive into some of the other sports that are going on. Obviously, basketball. Hey, Bucks. Hey, Bucks in the finals. Oh, shit. That's <laughs> Go right. Head and head on over the monkey knife fight maybe get in on some of that action take the under for all of the suns players and the over for all of the bucks players that's just one unbiased opinion on how you could do that but anyways again monkeyknifefight.com promo code dtff today all right thank you jake for that so let's get into these running back and backfield committees here so jake i think what we'll do is we will switch off here um you see the list on our show sheet here um I'll start. I'll pick one. We'll talk about it. Then you pick one. We don't have to go in order by any means. Um, we'll just kind of highlight the ones we want to. And then if we run through the entire list or we just get bored with it, then we can just call it a night. How's that sound? <laughs> that is perfect. <laughs> I think that clause should be built into every episode, by the way, whether we have guests present or not. If we get bored of it, we're just like, all right, we're out. Okay. See you guys later. Yeah, I think that sounds good. <laughs> all right. So, so um, I'm actually, I will start with the first uh, running back, uh, committee here on the list, and that's Arizona. And these are basically alphabetical on the list, just a little behind the scenes magic for, uh, our listeners out there. Um, but we've got Chase Edmonds and James Connor. So the reason I want to talk about this is I think this really truly could be like a 50 50 split, uh, this season. I, I feel like James Connor is going to get more the bulk of the, the actual carries. And Chase Edmonds is going to get more of that receiving work. And personally, I think James Conner is going to have better fantasy production 
than Chase Edmonds this year. I think he's going to get those goal line touches and he's going to get those touchdowns uh, near the goal line there uh, where Chase Edmonds is going to be used in the passing game more between the 20s. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I I definitely think that Chase Edmonds is going to be seeing the majority of the passing work like he did last year when Kenyon Drake was there. Uh, James Conner obviously supplanted Drake, but the, the role there, like, Drake was inarguably a better receiver than Connor, I think, at that point in his career and at this point in Connor's career. So, yeah, I think Edmonds is going to see more than he did last year there. Um, I, I think that kind of comes down to do you want the touchdowns or do you want the catches? Because I think Connor's going to get you the touchdowns. Mm-hmm. And Drake was top 10 in rushes inside the, the red zone last year, and he was bad. Connor's better <laughs> than he is. So I do like that for Connor. Like, I think this, it speaks to good value, I think, for both players. Because Kenyon Drake was fine last year for you. It was ugly Mm -hmm. getting there, but he was like RB16 in PPR leagues last year. I think Connor, if he stays healthy, could easily get that. But Mm -hmm. I don't think he'll stay healthy. Edmonds, Edmonds is nice because you don't need him to all of a sudden get a bunch of work to be really relevant for you. Because he was also relevant last year in that offense. He was RB25 last year. So even if he doesn't see a single extra carry, like, could he get around that again? Yeah, it'd be reasonable. So I think both are somewhat more valuable than people are letting on so far. Yeah, I'm trying to uh, pull up uh, ADP here. And my computer's <laughs> running very slow for some reason. So um, bear it with me, It doesn't want to acknowledge uh, Chase Edmonds, I think is why. Uh, apparently. No, no that's offense, it. Chase. <laughs> no offense. Uh, <sighs> but, I, but I know that neither of them right now are going in the first, you know, six rounds at least. So they're definitely going to be mid-round or later targets mm-hmm. for you yep. in your drafts. So. So so here's the ADP. Yeah, so here's the ADP. You tell me who you'd rather have at at their ADP. So Chase Edmonds okay. is RB29 off the board at um 63rd overall and then James Conner is 35th off the board at 82. I think based on health and health only I would take Drake. Or not Drake. God damn it. I would Edmonds. take Edmonds. There. <laughs> I don't want Drake. I will never draft Drake. Um, let me be clear on that. No, I would take Edmonds there because Connor, it's so tough to bank on even close to a full slate of games mm-hmm. for him. I want to believe, but I haven't seen it. So would I rather have, I guess, would I rather have the RB25 overall playing 17 games, which would be Chase Edmonds, or do I want, say, the RB15 maybe for eight games? That's how I'm choosing to look at it right mm-hmm. now, and I would take the little dip there with and take it. Yeah, and that is the tricky thing with this backfield and James Conner is that he has been injured, and I hate to bake in injury uh, when I'm when I'm projecting players. I like to assume full health, uh, mm-hmm. and and I would like to think he's actually going to stay healthy, but obviously we haven't seen it the last couple of years, so I, I understand that. Um, you know, he's going what twenty picks later, so almost two rounds later than than chase so yeah it's not bad can i tell you who i might take over both of them though that's going a little bit later than both of them right now is michael carter at rb 37 right behind Mm -hmm. both i might i might just pass over both of them to get who i believe would be the number one in his own offense which is a bad offense 
to this point in the Jets, but if he gets the majority of the work and they take a step forward, I'd rather mm-hmm. have him over both. Okay. Yeah. So we're, we're split there. You have Edmonds. I've got Connor. Uh, so folks, do with that what you want. If you, if you want the touchdown upside, go Connor. And if you want that, that PPR floor with the receptions, cause you know he's going to get them, then go, uh, mm-hmm. Edmonds. Uh, it's kind of a, what's, what's the saying? Half a dozen of Pick one and, and 50 of the other. I don't know. Um, I, I don't know Would what that's saying. Six? Is I don't know. But does it not six? Like I said, I don't know how, the, how that goes. So, um, yeah, just, just, I like yours better. Pick your poison, uh, and run with it. So we're not helping <laughs> with this one so much, mine, which I like. Uh, yeah, no. And the, I mean, that's, that's bound to happen, but I, it is just, it's roster construction. It's your mm-hmm. preference. It's what you need out mm-hmm. and out of those rounds. It's great because you will have enough of your team assembled that you can make that decision easier mm-hmm. of what you need at that point. So, Honestly, it's uh, it's nice when you're greeted with those guys there. Now, I do want to jump ahead here to the third on this list, but Denver is is getting really interesting because mm-hmm. if, if you do follow beat reporters at this time of year, I mean, you probably shouldn't, <laughs> but it's hard to, <laughs> to avoid it because we're in the lulls of the offseason. But beat reporters keep coming out that Javante Williams looks like he's going to be the guy to lead this backfield. But Melvin Gordon is there, and I don't think it's it's only the Wisconsin homer in me here that is saying <laughs> Gordon still has some juice left. I, I don't think that this is uh, like he's dead to rights and, and he's just going to fade away into oblivion. This reminds me of a couple of years ago where Mark Ingram was left for dead, and then he ended up being super valuable in that backfield still, and could be a little bit of that situation. So who do you have your eye on if you had to choose right now, or would you stray from both? Um, if I had to choose, I would take Javante Williams. Um, so currently ADP, Melvin Gordon's 28th, and Javante is 30th running backs off the board. Um, wow. and, and Javante is going um, about 10 picks later than Melvin Gordon. So Melvin's still getting drafted ahead of him. Uh, but I, I'd take Javante. I think if he doesn't start the season as the lead running back, he will have control of that backfield by the end of the season, the second half of the season. Um, so that's where you're really going to get your value from him. Um, if, if I were to draft, say, you know, you get one of the stud, the top five running backs, say in your draft, uh, say you pair it up with like maybe a Zeke or Camara, Saquon, you know, one of those. Uh, and this was your number two or hell, even if you grabbed him as your number three running back, I think that would be huge. Cause like I said, by the end of the season, I really do think he's going to control this backfield and Melvin Gordon is going to be playing that second fiddle. Yeah. My, my only thought, and it's just a matter of what you're comfortable with with drafting again. I, it makes me nauseous to think about, taking a running back that might not really see the field enough for you until, I don't know, let's say hypothetically week five, but you don't Mm -hmm. know that. Right. Right. So you are just, you're waiting and you're waiting. And is this the week that he takes over? And then then he doesn't. And then you see a wide receiver that really shines through that you want to pick up off of waivers, or you need a quarterback because yours got hurt or something. And he becomes one of those players that I would probably have that struggle with. Do I drop this guy out before he breaks out and takes over backfield? Or do I let him sit there and potentially clog my bench? And that that's the part that makes me nervous because at least with Melvin Gordon, the upshot of you drafting him is 
if if he doesn't start off leading the backfield, oh great, I know what this is. Javante is taking over basically, and then I can boot <laughs> him off of my goddamn team so fast, uh, which is kind of cowardly, I guess, as a strategy. But that's that's sometimes where I'm at with these. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just. And, you know, if, like you said, beat reporters are to be believed at this time of year, I mean, it sounds like Javante is going to have that backfield sooner rather than later. And Melvin Gordon, he's had his, um, you know, nicked up injuries. He always seems to have something going on that that slows him down a little bit. Uh, he hasn't looked that explosive over the last few years. His yards per carry has been abysmal. Um, and he's still got that... Um, I know his DUI, you know, was dismissed from the courts, but you never know if the commissioner is going to take some sort of action and suspend them for maybe, say, one or two games just to be like, hey, even though you weren't charged, you did something wrong. Like, you know, there could be something like that coming, um, you know, right before the season starts, too, that we're not expecting. So uh, while I I think that's not likely, it it still is a possibility. So um, and I just like the youth. And like I said, Melvin Gordon just hasn't looked great over the last couple of seasons. He finishes fine. Um, and and right. I th- RB 14 last year, I was going to say, I say, and his, you know, I think his ADP this year um, accurately reflects um, where it should be. You know, he's not getting drafted too high at this point. So hmm. I, uh, I could see taking a chance on him, but I would rather, I'd rather take the younger, more exciting player that I think is going to have uh, more upside as the season progresses. That's fair. Sorry, sorry, Melv. I wish I could put up a firmer argument for Melvin Gordon, but it really does come down to that like <laughs> week one confidence for me. Mm-hmm. That's, that's basically the only edge I can give him. Mm-hmm. All right. So who's next on your agenda here? Who's next? Um, let's. Oh, God, some of these are really gross, and I don't want to talk about them, <laughs> but we kind of have to. Um, let's talk New England. Oh God, you I weren't know. kidding. Okay. I know. So we've got Sony Sony Michel, Damian Harris, James White, and Ramondre Stevenson, a rookie that they just drafted this year. Uh who do you like in this backfield? I'm gonna punt to you first. <laughs> oh jeez. Uh you know, as the athlete in the backfield, it's Damian Harris. Um Harris has been dinged up too a lot lately. And so we didn't get to see him at his full potential last season. And it's always tough with a backfield when you have a, a Russian quarterback like Cam to kind of get the true essence of what they are because they're so hamstrung by mm-hmm. Cam vulturing their touchdowns and taking a good, a good chunk of their rushing plays from them. But here's what I do know. I hate Sony Michelle for fantasy football. So I'm staying so far away from Sony. There's there's no way that I would trust him. I don't care what his ADP is. I don't care if he's free on waivers. Like, I won't have him <laughs> before the season starts. Probably not at any time throughout. Ramondre Stevenson, the rookie, right away has draft capital working against him and has him being a rookie in Belichick's offense working against him. So I think I've eliminated him. Where it gets interesting for me is Harris versus PPR God, James White, or former PPR God James White. Uh, Because, man, he gave you some magical seasons. I mean, he is basically what you want as that late-round PPR flyer. He's a lot of the... Who's the guy for the Chargers that used to be there? Was it Danny Woodhead Mm -hmm. a few years ago? Like, 
Always under the radar because the rushing attempts were never going to be there. But look at how many balls that guy catches. And there's still not great wide receivers there. Uh, obviously, they added something. I mean, Nelson Aguilar got added and Kendrick Bourne, I guess. If you like those guys, then great. And the tight ends definitely improved. So he won't see as many targets probably. But mm -hmm. is Damian Harris going to see any? <laughs> you know, that's my worry. He could see some more touchdowns, especially if Cam doesn't start the entire season and Mac Jones takes over early, then I probably want Damien Harris. Mm -hmm. If he takes over or starts right away, I probably do want Damien Harris for the touchdown upside. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you you summed that up pretty well. Uh, just for reference, uh, Damien Harris is going 76 overall, uh, and James White, the next one off the board, is going at 140. So uh, he's essentially wow. free at that point. So uh, I think for that PPR upside, I think that's the best bet. Take a late round pick on him or take that chance that he doesn't get picked at all and pick him up off of waivers um, before week one, if you so choose, after you kind of see how uh, uh, maybe that first week goes. But, yeah, I think you summed that up pretty well. Like I said, it's it's a really gross backfield, and I don't <laughs> didn't really want to talk about it, but I, I feel like that that's one that uh, a lot of people have questions for. And I just, yeah, uh, while Cam's in there, you can't bet on anything for this backfield. I think once Mac Jones gets yeah. in, uh, then things will become kind of more quote unquote, uh, traditional offense, uh, where the way actually will have running plays drawn up for their running backs. Fair enough. Okay. Fair enough. Well, let's, let's get into a little bit more exciting territory here. Stay away from, uh, New England. This is obviously still messy. That's why we're talking about them. But there is a lot of excitement from a player from last year who blew up out of nowhere and a first-round pick in this year's draft. So we got Jacksonville Jaguars. Of course, undrafted free agent darling James Robinson, who crushed mm -hmm. last year and helped a lot of people on their way to fantasy championships. I say league winner Finished. right there. RB7 overall got basically all of the backfield work to himself last mm -hmm. year. We know that's not happening this year, at least not to that extent, certainly, because Travis Etienne got drafted first round. Their second first round pick was spent on a running back, which mm -hmm. is wild. Uh, they obviously had a lot of other needs there. Uh, they chose to go ETN. So, Dustin, um, do you believe in repeat magic for James Robinson, or do you think that ETN just completely takes that away? Oh, God. Um, I still believe in James Robinson while his upside is capped um, just because um, ETN with his he's been pegged as the third down uh, back, uh, which is typically the receiving back on, on most teams, uh, you know, kind of caps James Robinson's upside. Um, but I think James Robinson is still going to have a really solid season. Obviously, it's not going to be that high-end RB1 that, that we saw last year uh, coming out of nowhere. But talent like that just doesn't go away just because there was another guy drafted uh, in the first round. Uh, we've seen plenty of first-round busts, uh, running backs, uh, drafted to teams. Not saying that ETN is going to be that. I mean, they're both going to have their place. And I know Carlos Hyde is still lurking on that uh, depth chart as well, uh, which that to me yeah. is more of a insurance policy uh, familiar with Urban Meyer's schemes because he was his college coach. So I think that's why uh, Carlos Hyde was brought in there. Uh, it, it's going to really be James Robinson and ETN there. And I, I, 
I don't know. I just I gotta go with my gut and just say James Robinson. Uh, he is going. All right. He's going three picks ahead of or three running back picks ahead of ETN. So they are very close as far as uh, draft capital goes. Uh, Forty-seven overall, and then fifty-five. So within a round of each other. Uh, but I, I would take James Robinson personally out of this backfield. Oh man, I don't hate it. It's there. Their ADP is so close together, which is actually nice, though. Actually, kind of nice because at that point in your draft, I don't know, it would be stupid. It probably would be stupid. By the way, we're going to have JJ Zacharyson on the show pretty soon, and I'm sure he would tell me this is stupid because if I recall <laughs> last year, he told me this was stupid. But I was like, what if you get them both? What if you take both? And I don't think his lesson from that episode has absorbed no. into my brain because I still ask myself that like it's valid. Um, he hates that idea, and and mm-hmm. I probably should by default because he is much smarter than I am. I will say this. I actually just saw a tweet, and I, I want to give proper credit here, but at Dynasty underscore I am just posted on uh, Twitter a few weeks back. He said there's been four running backs since 2010 to have multiple 1,600 plus rush yard seasons before the age of 21. 1,600 rush yard seasons. And they had at least round three draft capital, which obviously ETN does as a first round pick. That group is CMC. Ezekiel Elliott and Jonathan Taylor and then Travis Etienne and that's the end of that list that is a wild ass stout uh, mm-hmm. stat there and I like that got me pretty hyped up for him it does come down to though do you trust the coaching right Urban Meyer is he going to be smart enough to utilize him the way that we want him used and he probably should just be used based on you know scouting <laughs> and whatnot uh because I, I want it but it's is Visca Chanel actually the guy who's going to get more targets, or is ETN going to be that guy? I don't know. I think I'll still take ETN, though. As long as their ADP stays similar and he doesn't creep up, mm-hmm. then I'll take ETN. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it, I'm only picking James Robinson because that's the that's the game here uh, that I have to pick one of the running backs. Uh, personally, at this point in the draft, with some of the other running backs that are available, I, I would probably take uh, a different running back altogether from a different team. Uh, but for this exercise, it's James Robinson. Right on. All right. Okay. Who do we want to dive into next? I want to, I want to talk Rams. Um, I, th- and I think this is probably one of the more <sighs> divisive backfields. Um, I, I mean, you're either pro cam acres or you're, you're, you're not a believer in him which I know that's usually how things go. It's either you're for or against. I'm such a genius. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, we got Cam Akers and, and Darrell Henderson. Uh, Cam came on really strong last year at the end of the year. Had I think it was like the last four games. Uh, just took took the fantasy playoffs by storm. Uh, played really well in the real playoffs for the Rams. Uh, but we have to remember Darrell Henderson he was getting the bulk of the snaps earlier in the season, and he was injured during this time when Cam blew up. Uh, we have seen in the past that L.A. likes to use a running back for their main running back. They typically don't like to use a committee if they don't have to. We saw that with Gurley for a couple years uh, once McVay took over. Um, so I do think they they would rather have a, a bell cow running back. Mm-hmm. I 
I just don't know. I am not as big a believer in Cam Akers as everyone else, and especially at his ADP. I think it's just way too rich right now, and the hype is way too out of control uh, for him. Uh, right now, he yeah. is the 11th running back off the board um, at 14 overall. I mean, you're, you're, you're having to snag him early in the second round. And for such a small sample size that we saw last year, I don't know if I can pay that that kind of draft capital for him um, mm-hmm. when when there's plenty of other running backs that in that second round that I would definitely uh, rather pay up for. Yeah, I mean, the list of the guys going around Cam Akers is is pretty appetizing outside of him, like right behind him, Antonio Gibson, who I love. Uh, I mean, Joe Mixon is next, and we don't have to talk about Mixon because, <laughs> you know, that's worn out. But CEH is right there behind him. Mm-hmm. I think I'd rather have CEH, honestly. Mm-hmm. Najee Harris, I could see if you want the volume play, I guess, there. Uh, of course, my man, Chris Carson. Like, Or I load up on one of those top-tier running backs that's not going that much higher than mm-hmm. Cam Akers. I mean, Austin Eckler is only going a couple of spots before him. I would so much rather slam Austin Eckler. Yeah, I said it the way that I wanted to say it, by the way. Uh, and leave that draft with him as opposed to Cam Akers. It's, I know it's not his ceiling because he could finish better than RB11, but it just feels like it's drafting pretty close to it. And, Absolutely. Uh, it just it makes me nervous. Daryl Henderson is a much better player than people want to believe and. I think you nailed it with the timing of the injury. It's it's set everybody's minds askew because Henderson wasn't there during the breakout. And guess what? He's going to be there this year. Uh, I will say, you know, they had the seventh most rushes per game in L.A. last year. So it is nice to know that. So if you wanted to take K-Makers based on that, and even if they split the backfield, he shouldn't be super disappointing for you. You know, it's not like the bottom should fall out and he'll be less than, you know, RB24 or anything like that. But Henderson feels like another one of those excellent late round targets. Would you would you try and get him late in the draft like that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he's going uh, 129th overall uh, for ADP. So again, right at the end of the draft uh, for a guy who I think I think it's going to be a little bit more split than people want to want to believe. I, I truly do believe that. Uh, I mean, Darrell Henderson was a second round pick just a couple years ago. It's not like he's some um, fourth, fifth round guy that happened to hang on and and get some playing time because Todd Gurley got hurt or you know Cam Akers wasn't up to speed last season with a shortened covid off season you know like they spent up draft capital on him uh for a reason they saw something in him it's all the same coaching staff it's the same gms um you know so so i think he's going to be more involved than people are going to expect and like i said with with cam makers draft capital that you need to spend on him i'm just not willing to to buy into that right now Here's a fun one because they're going so close together in the draft. Basically, again, at the very end or off waivers after the draft, Daryl Henderson or James White. I would probably go James White only because we know we 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 know what James White is. We know you're going to get that PPR. Uh, you're going to get those catches out of the backfield. I think even with Cam there. He'll, he'll get his where he can be a good bi-week fill-in or flex play. Uh, Darrell Henderson, 
like I said, the 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 outcomes of possibilities is that he could be totally sidelined and Cam could be worth his draft capital. I mean, that's well within the realm of possibilities. Um, I just personally sure. don't believe that. But uh, so I would go with uh, James White just more for that PPR upside on a like I said a flex bye week fill in basis. I dig that. I dig that. I th- I feel like we are just the warm water on the Cam Akers hype train, but somebody has to be That's right. uncomfortable with us being that role. Uh, hey, look, you, you got to delve into one of the grosser ones, so I want my turn here. Uh, we we got to talk about Houston. We really do. We got to talk about Houston. Do we? And it, yeah, it's the least. <laughs> it's the least fantasy relevant team as a whole. But there, there has to be some value somewhere, especially in this backfield, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there has to be. So let's look at the names and we'll only look at the top three because they've added just every Everyone. <laughs> damn player. It is the full kitchen sink back there. But David Johnson, Mark Ingram, Philip Lindsay, those are the big three names. If you want to call them still, you know, big names, but. Those are the three that we're working with. So the ADP, I'll just, I'll rip that bandaid off, at least for you listeners. It's gross for everybody. Uh, <laughs> or I should say it's, it's low. I mean, it's, it's what you would want given the names that we just listed. The top guy in ADP is David Johnson and he's going RB 34. So, and, and obviously it only gets worse from there. So Dustin, <laughs> you're, now that you're not spending up on any of these guys, obviously. You don't have to reach for any of them, but even bad teams can produce fantasy relevance, even in the backfield sometimes. So mm-hmm. with all those caveats, anybody that you'd be willing to take a chance on? It would have to be David Johnson. I know it, it's kind of the ghost of David Johnson at this point in his career. I think we've, we're have we never going to see the David Johnson. You know, we did a couple few seasons ago. Uh but considering you're not getting them until what the eighth round at this point, uh, mm-hmm. as, as someone that that can carry the ball and also a very good pass catcher, uh, that that will probably be on the field the, the bulk of the time. I know Philip Lindsay's a good pass catcher, and Mark Ingram can you know he's more known for for pounding the rock. Uh, I do think that David Johnson will be the the one. A of the BC group uh, there in in Houston. So uh, considering how late you're able to get him, I I think that's a fine value, and that's probably the one I would go with. Yeah, I get it. Uh, I think the the pass catching is there for Dave Johnson, and it's not there for anybody else. And so, yeah, (laughs) I guess that's it. I guess that is it. And he's the highest, but like you said, eighth round. If you're, especially if you're not a fan of taking running backs early and you need to start stocking up towards the middle of your draft, he is a fair name there because the guy, he caught a lot of passes and, and will catch a lot of passes mm-hmm. because that team is going to have to throw a shit ton. No matter who the quarterback is there, I think, I don't know if any, yeah. I don't know who we're we're actually pegging there, but whoever it is is probably going to be dumping off to DJ quite a bit. Philip Mm -hmm. Lindsay does not catch the ball that much. Mark Ingram does not catch the ball that much, and he's old as shit. So, um, And David Johnson actually did start off last season really well. He had like seven games 
basically where he returned a lot of value for you, better than flex value, like mm-hmm. solid RB2 value for you for about half the season. So, yeah, I'll take my, I t- I'll take my chances there. We're in agreement on David Johnson. Oh. Look it up. Hooray. All right, let's move on. Uh, let's move on to Buffalo here. Uh, there's a couple more teams I, I want to focus on here. Uh, but let's, let's talk Buffalo first. Um, we got Zach Moss, Devin Singletary, and then Matt Burita was brought in here this offseason. Uh, just to muddy the waters a little bit more. Um, <laughs> I, Good old Matty B. This is another one that I just... I don't know how to feel about this backfield. Uh, this is probably the, mm-hmm. one of the more tricky ones that are out there as far as trying to figure out who's going to be getting the, the workload here. Um, and yeah. in the, in, in the end, um, trying to pull up my projections here. There we go. Um, I think I'm going to end up leaning Devin Singletary. Um, and that, that's very slight. I think he's going to, I think he's going to end up with more passing work than Zach Moss uh, come the end of the season. Um, I, th- I think the rushing will will kind of be split fairly evenly. Um, I think the touchdowns, the rushing touchdowns will be split kind of 50-50. Um, but I think Devin Singletary is going to end up being more that pass catching back in that backfield. So I, I would give the slight edge to Bur- uh, Brita. Oh, my God. Ugh, what a slip there. Uh, to Singletary. Um, what say you, Jake? Uh, I, 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 again, probably not going to take anybody, <laughs> but I did add Zach Moss onto a couple of dynasty rosters here as like, as just a pure throw in. So nobody wants, especially for dynasty, nobody wants either of these guys mm-hmm. truly. The one thing that leads Zach Moss's way for me is that I don't think either of these two are going to see a substantial rushing share. But the nice thing is Moss at least had, again, the red zone, the goal line work outside of Josh Allen, who uh, was neck and neck with Zach Moss, by the way. They both had a 36% share of the rushes from inside the 10-yard line. Um, But again, that's not going away. Like Josh Allen is going to keep doing that. But Mm -hmm. I'd rather have at least the other guy who can also get touchdowns there, who is not Singletary. So, again, this is basically we're coming down to Connor versus Chase Edmonds again. Right. That's what this is. It's do you want the the touchdowns or do you want the catches? The nice thing about Moss is that we don't have to really worry about his health. And so that's why I would lean Zach Moss there. Uh, if I got to pick somebody because you need people for you need solid floors for bye weeks and flex. So that's my Zach Moss argument in a nutshell there. Mm-hmm. And again, these two are going uh, within two, uh, three picks of each other in, in draft, uh, 99 and 102, essentially. So, uh, they're, they're going essentially back to back right now. So I, you know, the fantasy community is literally split on them because they can't decide, uh, who's more valuable at this point. So, uh, so yeah, again, I think you said it perfectly. Pick your poison, uh, solid floor versus PPR upside, essentially. The age-old arguments. Mm -hmm. All right, well, let's get into a slightly different argument. This is, I mean, in terms of question marks, obviously, again, all of these teams have question marks. But it seems like the question marks have largely gone away. 
or Miles Gap in this offense, who are the Dolphins going to sign? Are the Dolphins going to sign a big-name free agent? Are they going to bring in Aaron Jones? Nope, Aaron Jones resigned. Are they going to bring in Chris Carson? Nope, Chris Carson resigned. Who Who is the name that's going to dethrone Miles Gaskin? And we didn't get one, mm-hmm. at least not a big one. So now it's just him and Salvin Ahmed, who is usable last year for fantasy. Mm-hmm. And then Malcolm really Brown is – that's right. And Malcolm Brown was the signing for them. And mm-hmm. that's a pretty under-the-radar signing. Uh, he was there with the Rams last year, and he was just kind of an annoyance more than anything. Daryl Henderson and Cam Akers, but he wasn't like a standalone running back value. And then Jared Dokes, who people are high on as a, a super late round guy who, if anybody's going to have the James Robinson breakout, they think it could be somebody like Jared Dokes. But how confident are you, I guess, in Miles Gaskin as hypothetically you didn't take the top dogs in a running back class so that you're, you're around four, let's say, before you want to sniff at a running back and Miles Gaskin is there. Mm-hmm. You feel comfortable taking him as your RB1? I think so. Um, if, if he's going to be your RB1, uh, he's right now the 23rd running back off the board at pick 45. So he's like right there, kind of end of the fourth round. Um, yeah, I, I think the only reason, obviously, um, Ahmed and, you know, got any play last year was because Gaskin got injured. Um, otherwise Gaskin had that backfield all to himself. Um, and I know he showed out well and they brought in Malcolm Brown, like you said, uh, that's just like you said, more of an insurance policy. I feel like because there was so many injuries last season. Um, so I, I feel like Gaskin is pretty safe. Uh, and if you're picking him as your RB one, um, and he, you know, he's 23rd right now off the board. I think his ceiling could be a lot higher than that. I'm not saying RB one, but I mean, he could, mm-hmm you know, theoretically end up in that high end RB two category. Um, Cause I do think he's going to have the bulk of that workload by himself. So um, I've actually got him projected as my RB 13 when I statted everything out. Ooh, I don't hate. I, wow. Wow. It seems uh, a little high. I don't, you know, that's obviously not where we ranked him, but that was just how my projections sure. came out. Um, so, you know, I think you could get really good value out of him drafting him in that position as your RB1. That, it, I mean, let's, let's stay with the projections tone there, but I mean, that is screaming value then. Mm-hmm. At, and if you could, and now if you can get him as your RB2, where you have a comfortable guy in front of him, mm-hmm. and then you're waiting for somebody who could potentially get you fringe RB1 work. Don't hate that. So you have a lot more confidence in Gaskin than I do. And it's just because I haven't, it's like, I'm still waiting for the other shoe to drop with him, which is asinine at this point. Cause it's, mm-hmm. it's just, who are they going to bring in? You know, Todd Gurley, who hasn't technically signed with anybody. I mean, I guess, but that's it. I, I think they, they are set with who they want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think that if, if they didn't believe in him, they would have drafted a running back higher than getting Jared Dokes in the seventh round or sixth round, whenever right. he was drafted. So I, I think the team really does believe in him as being that more bell cow um, running back for them, at least for this season. Obviously yeah. next season, you know, come draft time, they have a shitload of picks again this next season. Uh, we don't know who the free agent running backs are going to be. I mean, there could be some big names out there. So I, I think for this season, at least, I think you can trust that he's going to get the workload. Yeah, he's going to get that load. 
You heard it here, folks. Miles Gaskin is going to get the load. God, I'm such a goddamn child. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but I'm God. not. It's uh, been all episode here. Just the top and bottom, the loads. I mean, come on, Jake. I say I'm better than that, but we both know that's not true. So why fool ourselves? True, very true. Very true. All right. You, you want to talk uh, about at least another one of these teams. So who do you got? Well, well, we'll save the most uh, muddled backfield for last year. Oh uh, and I think we, I think everybody knows which backfield that is. So we'll save that la- for last. So we'll each do pay one more, and then we'll do that Perfect. that that grand Pumba, so to speak. Wonderful. So let's let's okay. talk about Tampa Bay. Here yes. we've got Ronald Jones, playoff Lenny Leonard Fournette, Giovanni Bernard, who's brought in the soft field. Uh, those are the th- main three. You've still got uh, Keyshawn Vaughn there, um, who I think is really just an afterthought at this point. So mm-hmm. I have to say, I, I I think I would take Leonard Fournette out of this group. Uh, really, I do. Ooh, okay. I, I, I mean, we saw what he to hear your reasoning. We saw what he did um, at the end of the season and and through the playoffs. Um, he had gotten released from Jacksonville late, late in the off season. Um, so I, I think it took him a little bit to learn that Bruce Arians offense and the offense as a whole really didn't click until that second half of the season. And then we saw them really catch fire. Um, so I, I think, you know, he is always just an underrated running back for whatever reason. Um, and, and I think he's going to outperform his ADP. I mean, right now, again, <laughs> fantasy managers out there are just, have no clue what to do because Leonard Fournette is 31st running back off the board. Ronald Jones, 32nd. I mean, they're literally back to back, um, yep. running back ADP. So I, I, I like Leonard Fournette. I think he's, I mean, it's, it's probably going to be, uh, quite a bit of a split backfield, but if I had to put my stake in the ground and pick one, I, I think Lenny is going to have the best value come the end of the season. Interesting. See, I actually see. Leonard Fournette is the odd man out in this backfield. He, he to me, just looks like the guy like, I don't know what your purpose is on this team, truly. And I know that that's mean, but I don't know what his purpose is because I think Ronald Jones is a better runner, like just a better rushing running back than mm-hmm. Leonard Fournette is. Leonard Fournette's kind of like a plotter. Uh, and Jones is actually like a decent quality running back. I know he had a much higher yards per carry and yards ha- after contact ha- and stuff. Than, like, ha- has Ronald Jones had a top 12 running back season in his career? Just, just no, asking. He's also played for shit teams, Dustin. Uh, oh, and, and, for, and Jacksonville oh, was a bastion of great teams that Leonard Fournette played say, on. <laughs> Come on. All right. That's fair. But in Jacksonville, Leonard Fournette got all of the volume. It's the James Robinson argument, right. but to me, he's a worse player than james robinson is that's like an actual nfl and you think and you think leonard fournette's been in the league forever and he's super old he's only 26 he's still fairly young he's he's in that prime of of running backs yet so i don't know why he's got the mental processing power of an 80 year old in that backfield though he just does not he always i don't understand why people hate on him so much i i just don't get it it's because can i tell you one stat that blew my mind i know he had limited carries last year like he barely saw 100 he didn't have a single broken tackle all of last year not one 
Ronald Jones, by contrast, had like six or seven easily. Leonard Fournette didn't have a single one all year. He basically, again, he's a plotter. He just kind of, woof, here I am. I'm going to woof into you. But all of the stats from last year definitely favor Ronald Jones as a runner. But the other thing is, Gio Bernard takes away all receiving possibilities. Mm -hmm. Like, both of those guys suck. Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette suck at catching the ball. They can't. Not they true. They grease up their hands with, with hot dog grease. Leonard Fournette can catch the, the ball. He can catch okay, the he, ball. Oh, yeah. He can't from Tom Brady. I'll tell you that. <laughs> or he didn't from Tom Brady. It was dropsies, dropsies, dropsies. Uh, in Jacksonville, he did catch uh, some number of balls, I guess. But Gio Bernard is, would you not agree, though, undoubtedly the best pass catcher in that backfield? Uh, 100%. 100% agree there. No arguments. <laughs> so then, if the only reason that Leonard Fournette is going to see third down work is if they want to keep him out there during the hurry up and they just want one guy out there, and maybe that's what they do, and then you find some utility with Fournette. But right now, to me, he just looks like the odd man out. Like, I don't understand what his place on the team is. So, honestly, I'll bypass both Rojo and Fournette and Fono to go get Gio Bernard in, like, again, the back back free. end of the draft, yeah. I'm assuming. Essentially free, right, like 152 territory. overall. Yeah. Yeah, perfect, perfect. Because if Tom Brady can get a pair of hands in the backfield that he trusts, which obviously he wanted somebody there mm -hmm. to be able to catch the damn ball for him, then I'll take that guy because they are a pass-heavy team, a great offense, so I'll I'll take him. Okay. All right, one more before we get into the, the big, the big boy here. Yes. Yeah, The I, I guess the only one that I want to do a quick hitter on here is <sighs> – what do we do with Philadelphia in that Miles Sanders is in like this dead zone of running backs right now in your draft where it's like you get to this group and there should be somebody there that you want to take. Right. But it doesn't it give you a second thought when you get to this group of like, hmm, do I want to take him now and this running back now or do I want to wait? So Miles Sanders, to me, leads that group. He's the top of that tier, if you will. But it's around guys like Josh Jacobs and and. J.K. Dobbins and that ilk. But then he has pass catcher Kenneth Gainwell, pass catcher extraordinaire, apparently, coming into Philly, who people have comped to like an Austin Eckler type of guy. So he's their rookie pick that got added. And Boston Scott is still there, who was sort of the Tariq Cohen, just to really go crazy with the comps here. Uh, in that offense, like he caught a lot of those balls there in, in Philly over the last couple of years. So... Obviously, new quarterback, um, new-ish quarterback in Jalen Hurts, who played just a few games there last year. What do you think? I know we talked about SFB, and I know that Miles Sanders has made it onto your radar. Mm -hmm. So what do you, how hopeful are you for Sanders this year? I think he can outperform his current ADP of 18. Um, I think he can flirt with RB1 status. I don't, I don't think he's going to get into that. Um, but I do think, you know, having Jalen Hurts there, um, that I think they're going to probably run some more of that RPO type offense where uh, some of that pressure will be off. Sanders to actually have to like run the ball every time it'll make defensive think defenses think a little bit. Um, he still is a very good pass catcher. We've seen that. Um, again, no, he was injured last year, uh, nicked up now and then, uh, which I think hurt him, obviously. Um, 
most players don't perform better when they're injured. Just, just for all of you out there listening. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, I think he's going to come in healthy. I, I, I think he can out, outperform that. Our, uh, 18 running back draft ADP that he's got right now. Yeah. It's kind of in that you're looking at the end of the third kind of early fourth ish area. Um, taking him there, I actually don't think that's too bad a value. And I would actually rather have him over, um, or I draft him ahead of some of the guys that are actually going before him right now. Like Chris Carson, mm-hmm. who we love. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Chris Carson. Um, I just Carson don't, all day for me. I just don't see Carson having the upside that Miles Sanders does. I think Sanders has a bigger ceiling than Carson. Carson will give you a very solid floor week in and week out. Um, I actually like him better than JK Dobbins. Agreed. I'm with you there. I am with you on Sanders over Dobbins. Mm-hmm. But even a couple of the guys going after him with like Josh Jacobs, David Montgomery, um, you know, I, I would take Sanders just purely for the upside um, in that general area of, of where those other running backs are going. Right on. See, yeah, he's he's the guy. Like I said, he's the top of that tier, but he's he makes me nervous. I get into mm-hmm. that area, that grouping of running backs. And I'm like, you know, maybe I'll pivot to a wide receiver here because I don't have supreme confidence in any of those guys. Mm-hmm. And maybe I am feeding in too much to the Kenneth Gainwell sort of low key hype that's out there. But like so many people have been like, He's the Austin Eckler in this offense. And, of course, offensive coordinator is coming over there in in Philadelphia who has some experience with an Austin Eckler type Mm -hmm. in the actual Austin Eckler. So, you know, how much of the pass-catching work does he take away or the combination of of him and Boston Scott take away? Because that's what was so attractive about Sanders was, like, he's a do-it-all kind of guy. And and now if he's not doing it all, um, you know, you still hope that that offense hums with Jalen Hurts there Mm -hmm. more than it did with Wentz. And so the opportunity should be there more, and that's great. But I, I'm going to – I feel like a broken record. But, like, Kenneth Gainwell at the very end of the draft, <laughs> like, do I just stock up on all of these potential pass catchers in lieu of actual running backs and say, fuck it, whatever they get me, I guess I'm just going to be happy with James White, Giovanni, Giovanni Bernard, and Kenneth Gainwell? I mean, probably not. I guess so. Something to consider, I guess. Mm-hmm. All right. But the main event here, obviously. obviously. Every year it feels like it should be this team. And I think it will be for the foreseeable future here. So uh, if you guys haven't figured it out yet, it is the San Francisco 49er backfield here. Uh, the gross of the gross as far as as running backs. that We've got seven running backs that, that could be fantasy relevant at some point. Right. Um, I, let me say that six. I I, I was looking at the uh, ADP here, and uh, their fullback was included in there. So I don't think we can. Uh, you don't, you don't have any love for the juice man? No. For Kyle Juszczyk? Although he, although he is the the fifth most uh, drafted running back over Elijah Mitchell and Jamichael Hasty. So um, hey, some people are seeing go. some stuff in him. Uh, so, yeah, we've got Raheem Mostert, Trey Sermon, Jeff Wilson, Wayne Gallman, and the other three that I mentioned for the last 30 seconds. What a backfield we've got here. Um, Jeff oh Wilson, goodness. he's going to be out uh, most likely for the first half to three quarters of the season at a minimum. So I think we can kind of knock him out. Um, he's he's going to be that once you see him coming back and he's he's might come off the pup 
you know, grab him a week or two before you think he's going to come off the, the injured reserve pup list and um, take a flyer on him at that point. But you should not be drafting him to start the season. Please don't be drafting him in redraft this year. Uh, he'll, he'll be out there in waivers for you. Don't waste that bench spot. So then basically what we're looking at is Mostert and Sherman. I think people are expecting to be the top two running back options in this backfield. Um, if you had to pick one, who are you going to pick, Jake? Uh, I don't know. Here, God. Here's the thing is, like, the injury argument does have to come into play. And I know, like you said early in the episode, you mm-hmm. don't want to project that way. But there are certain – doesn't it feel like there are certain players you almost have to? And Raheem Mostert feels like that other guy. Probably the only maybe two out of three running backs that are like that for me, where I, I have to bake that into their – ADP for myself mm-hmm. is Raheem Mostert great if he gets the workload out of the gate we've seen it we know what it looks like and it's fantastic for those games when you look on you know player profiler or wherever or excuse me pro football reference where they get the little asterisk and he is actually starting the game and finishes the game they're amazing those stats are amazing but how many of those are out there they're, they're mm-hmm. very few so and this is a little counter to my argument from the Denver backfield with Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon. We're like, we don't know that Trey Sermon's going to get the work out of the gate, but I actually think that he will. And he's somebody I'm comfortable stashing for the long haul because with San Francisco, the one consistent is that if you wait three weeks, whoever you've stashed from their team will be relevant Mm -hmm. for you because that's how that backfield works. So He's not one where I'd be like, I have to panic drop him. But I actually do want to call out Wayne Gallman here. I know kind of left him kind of in the gutter. But a beat reporter for San Francisco just today came out. And again, take this with a grain of salt. But they said San Francisco wants to run the ball 500 times in 2021. With Trey that. Sermon, <laughs> Raheem Mostert, and Wayne Gallman. Gallman was the obvious third there in that list and maybe that's just because wilson is injured or whatever but Mm -hmm. gallman was really good with new york last year on a very piss poor new york giants offense i mean he he looked he looked pretty good at times and he's only Mm -hmm. 26 like he's not Mm -hmm. he feels like he's been in the league for about 10 years already uh but he's actually fairly young. And and I was going to bring that up about the age, too, with Mostart. I mean, he's 29. I mean, that is yeah. the age where running backs really, for the most part, unless you're Adrian Peterson or Frank Gore mm. and you're, you know, uh, Terminators from the future, um, you start <laughs> dropping off. Uh, and, that, and that's just the, the nature of the game. Um, and I know Mostert, you know, he came from Miami and, and he didn't get a lot of playing time early in his career. So maybe this has extended his career a little bit. And he could be one of those outliers that just plays really well, you know, mm-hmm. into his thirties, uh, with kind of being that role player, um, that he is. But yeah, with the, the age and then the injuries kind of baked in there. Um, I mean, none of these are going super high by any means, but I think I would take the late round flyer on Trey Sermon uh, if I had to pick one. I think he's obviously the youngest. They traded up for him in the draft. Um, You don't trade up for a running back unless you have plans to use him and you think it's going to fit your offense really well. So like you were saying, I think he may not start the season as the feature back, but I think he could end up with the bulk of the workload in what will in. Indubitably be a split backfield throughout the season 
but I think he can be the one that has the most value uh, for the entire season. Agreed. And and San Francisco especially hasn't spent up on a running back in forever. Um, so the fact that they did, it really speaks volumes to what they plan to do. I believe, like, I, I don't believe 500 rushing attempts is obviously a reasonable expectation, but I believe that that is going to be such a focus, mm-hmm. especially if they start with Trey Lance, who, by the way, we should mention, rookie quarterback Trey Lance could almost be the RB1 on that team. He Very is true. a... Phenomenal rusher, rushed for 1,100 yards in his last full season in college. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, you know, he definitely has that capability. But uh, it's, I don't know if I, I don't know that I'd love any of them. But again, for the sake of this game, if I have to pick one, it will be Sermon. Right. Okay. Well, do you feel better now that we've talked about some of these, or do you just feel kind of gross and no. icky talking about <laughs> I all of it? Absolutely <laughs> disgusting. My hands feel dirty. I feel itchy. It's just not a good. It's not a good feeling. Right now to look at these. And I think if if you've taken away anything for this episode, I really think the big headline should be draft safe, secure workhorse running backs this year. Because when you start getting into the late rounds, mm-hmm. they, these are the decisions that you probably don't want to have to make if you don't need to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. And I know um, JJ Zacharyson did an episode a couple two or three weeks ago at this point now about the running back dead zone, which is basically rounds four through six. Um, try to avoid drafting running backs there unless obviously the value falls to you. Uh, but that's kind of that weird area where you're not getting a bell cow running back and you're just basically drafting handcuffs, high end handcuffs at that point. Uh, which probably you're just baking on injury at that point, which you never want to bank on injury for any player. So you might as well wait and then get some of these uh, PPR backs later on that, that have that kind of upside to them. Um, So, yeah. So yeah, get those, get those running backs early is what we're saying. Do it, do it. Well, like I've been doing in Scott Mm -hmm. fishbowl, I've been hammering the shit out of running backs (laughs) and, and I feel great about it. All right. So, any last words, Jake, here before we sign off? No parting words. Uh, anything that I would say at this point would probably just be another um, scandalous bit of eighth grade rhetoric. So I think the faster that we move out of here, the better for our listeners. All right. Well, I have uh, I have something to say. We are going to be um, taking submissions here for our TTFF redraft listener league um what we're doing what we're doing is you have to go out rate and review our show on on apple Podcasts, please give us five stars um you you can give us whatever rating you want let's be honest uh but we're only going to accept these uh we're only going to take five star ratings into our consideration for uh the redraft league here uh but we want a five star rating and a review. So write a review. You have to take a screenshot of it with the timestamp on it so we know it's current. Submit it to our um, Twitter feed or DM us directly. Um, and then once we kind of get through the uh, end of July here, we'll be holding a very special draft that we're going to tease and we're working out the details for. Uh, but we're going to uh, try to do a live draft uh, order Um for the draft and possibly live stream the entire draft. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, so we're going to start taking submissions here. So get those in five-star rating, screenshot it, write a review, submit it to us. We'll randomize it. We'll pick our, uh, 
pick our league mates here end of the month. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, a lot of fun. So uh, looking forward to that. Um, yeah, Jake, where can people find you out there? They can find me out there on Twitter accepting your five-star review submissions for this draft at Jake Trowbridge. And you can find the podcast at Drinking Fantasy. All submissions can go there if you so choose. And then you can find me at FF Dusty Dog. And until next week, folks, keep drinking and talking fantasy football. Cheers, FFers.